in life. Sometimes we just need the truth. In a world of relativity, in a world that questions absolutes, this is the podcast of Naked Truth. Honesty, aletheia, bringing you the naked truth every time you tune in to listen. Full of questions and answers, looking at culture, hot topic issues, and how we do church in today's culture. Make sure to tune in every new episode to get your questions answered. We won't flub on the truth. We'll keep it real. Tuck in and get ready for this episode of the Aletheia Collective. Oh yeah! Hello and welcome to the Aletheia Collective. It is good to have you here listening to this podcast. Uh, We are going to be talking about what should the church's response be to COVID-19. Now, I have a couple of my friends that are going to be with me. They're also uh, CMA pastors, a pastor named Eldon, pastor named Chuck, pastor named Mike, and a pastor and also district representative named Chris. Now, full disclosure, some of the conversation that we had got cut off. Uh, There were some internet issues, some recording issues, but I wanted to still put this podcast up so that we can talk about this issue together as church leaders. One of the questions that I asked our group of folks that uh, got cut off a little bit was, how do we as pastors plan to respond to COVID-19, or how have we responded And what should the church in general's response be? Several of the guys uh, mentioned the idea of living in uh, fear for many people and how we are to consistently as pastors encourage our people to live in the spirit of God, not in the spirit of fear. This whole situation has caused a whole lot of fear and a whole lot of anxiety for people. And those who already have issues of anxiety This is not helping. But as pastors, we can come alongside our church people. We can come alongside those who are living in fear or anxiety and walk with them. We created some ideas. Uh, We talked about digital connection through Zoom. In fact, the meeting that we had for the podcast was on Zoom itself. And uh, again, I apologize for the technical difficulties that we had. It was definitely not purposeful. But we talked a lot about how we are connecting in that way digitally through uh, many different venues and avenues. Uh, Myself, uh, I am using the Facebook Live connection with some of our people. Once every other day, uh, we are using Zoom. Our youth pastor used Zoom last night, and he connected with his students. They sang songs together. They told jokes. They walked through the Bible study stuff together that he had set up for that night. Our uh, worship and college pastor is doing Zoom uh, Bible meetings as well, and those are things that I think are working uh, across the, the, the whole spectrum. We are seeing people do those types of things. We talked about in our uh, conversation with our folks as well the issue of uh, the economic fallout to our churches. This is an issue, in a situation and an issue that definitely affects the church, the giving of the the people to the church. If they're not there, statistically, we know that people don't give. And the other issue is that when people are struggling financially, they uh, end up stop 
they end up stopping their tithe as one of the first responses to that. And in this, we'll, we've also uh, dis, you know, disclosed the conversation of how are we encouraging our church to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so we, we caught a lot of the, the conversation. There was a lot of beginning, connecting, and getting to know one another. Some of us come from a district perspective like Chris, some from a more medium church perspective like myself and Eldon, and a smaller church perspective from our friend Chuck. He's a great guy, uh, and all of them are great men. So just uh, as we connect, just know that there's going to be some abrupt change from my conversation here on into our Zoom call because we caught up right in the middle of it. I hope to continue having these discussions with other pastors, and so be looking out for other types of podcasts that we're going to be doing here at the Aletheia Collective. My name is Marv. I am hosting this, asking the questions with these guys So stay tuned and uh, get connected with these men and their really great ideas for the church. Here we're going to start with uh, the conversation on the economic fallout to the church. And my buddy Chuck, we caught a mid-sentence. So uh, yeah, here he is. To just pile up the money that you're going to give and give it at the end, bless you. Or whatever he he tells you to do, bless you. You can also mail it in, things like that. I just wanted to be honest with my people, which I think we pastors need to do. One of the things I've often noticed about the whole thing about giving and tithes, and I've always felt that people give in accordance to how much they value the church and what, what they're getting from the church in the way of yeah. ministry. I think if we continue to minister to our people in a way that's meaningful, yeah, we're going to see a, a, a lowering of our income. But I think people are still going, for the most part, to step up and say and give, you know, proportionate to at least what they value that they're getting. Mm. Yeah. My district has done one thing because of this edict from the governor. Our district, uh, the Dexcom, has stepped in and has announced that if any churches need help, that the district is making a grant available. Um, and it's not just a one-time, as, you know, sometime in this, but as we proceed through this, see what's going on, let the district know and they have grant funds available. Wow, that's that's pretty significant. Chris, is 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 your uh, district office doing something similar to that? Not at the moment, but it's it's definitely up for you know in discussion. I mean, we're still kind of figuring out you know the waters and and what exactly what we need to provide, but it's it's definitely a possibility um, as churches report the needs. We're we're really well communicated, you know, connected with our churches to know what the needs are. So at this point, it's not something that's needed, but you know, moving forward, it's something we'll assess for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things we're doing is I met with my business board and my elders via email yesterday. And, you know, I said, I think we need to start thinking proactively, not being reactive because we need to see how we, we have no idea how long it's going to be through this process. And so I, I called for us to have a spending freeze on everything except staff. You know, I said, we're, we can leave the lights off. We're obviously not going to be able to do any outreaches. You know, there, there's a whole lot of things that we just can't do right now. I say, let's do a spending freeze and, you know, still pay our part-time staff, try and develop creative ways to minister online for free. And, and they definitely agree with that. The only, the only fund that we left open was our benevolence fund for those who would need some, some extra money. And so, thankfully God blessed us with an excess. We have about $30,000 that we have in excess in our bank account. And so, so I think we're going to be okay 
weathering the storm. But, you know, I, I was thinking of the smaller churches, uh, just where they would be at. Eldon, what, what's, uh, what's going on with your church? Um, well, we have uh, some practical things that we already sort of established um, not too long ago, actually, which is sort of weird how God sort of used that. We have, uh, we finally adopted, uh, you know, so that online giving, yeah, and a lot of people have been using that, so um, our hope is that they'll continue to be, you know, to use that, and they also established some mechanisms on the website where uh, people can offer, you know, either uh, monetary uh, gifts, offerings, or even non-monetary uh, offerings there as well, so we, we already sort of had that. Um, just recently established. And I think our hope really is, you know, it goes back to where Jesus said, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah. And so our, our hope is that, um, you know, people who have been giving, which is a part of our worship, um, their heart is already in in with Christ and in, in the church that they would continue doing that action of worship. And it's sort of, you know, it's sort of like a, a, a relationship, right? Like a marriage, you know, we, we're, 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 you know, it's a, it's a marriage to, to, to Jesus. It's also a marriage, you know, in, in some way to the body itself, you know, mm-hmm. where, you know, even in a marriage, you know, <laughs> during hard times with your spouse, you don't stop paying the bills, you know, right. uh, and, and not that tithing or offering is paying a bill. But, you know, in that marriage or in that relationship, it doesn't mean we stop all forms of uh, worship and, you know, things that God asks us to. And so we're, we're also providing that encouragement uh, to the congregation as well. And, of course, um, you know, uh, as people are, you know, in home from work, some people are forced to stay home with or without pay. Everybody's a little different there's going to be, uh, you know, an effect to the church somehow. Mm-hmm. So I like your idea about sort of going warm, you know, only spending money on the things that are, are absolutely needed at this time um, and sort of, you know, uh, keeping an eye out for how things might change because they're very fluid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, my main concern for that was our, our part-time staff. They definitely rely upon – you know, their hours and you just wanted to make sure that we didn't, weren't spending erroneous money to help out with that process for sure. And we have online giving and we even sent out an email, uh, a word document and we mailed it to those who don't have email saying here, here are the ways you can watch the service. We do online streaming. Uh, you know, here's, here are the ways that you can still give. And we gave, you know, the, the, the tithely, uh, option. We even said to some that are elderly, if you still want to give, you know, we can even come pick it up if you can't even get out into the mail to mail it out, you know? And so it's this sense of, you know, hopefully it didn't, it, I don't want it to come off as desperate, but say, you know, I wanted to say, Hey, we still encourage you to give during this time. You know, and part of the sad thing is, is some of those folks who are, who are part of our congregation are losing their part-time jobs. And, and statistically, if you're reading the, you know, the tithing and the giving, once money starts getting tight, the first thing that people drop is their, uh, are their donations. And that includes their tithe to the church as well. Um, so I think this is one of those big issues that I hope, you know, our churches are looking forward, not, not looking forward to, but looking at in, in an obvious 
light, not trying to play light of it. Yeah. You know, I, and even, um, you know, if the money, you know, you know, has to stop, they can change their tithing to, you know, also, which should also include things like this, but, you know, service or, you know, um, you know, offering themselves, praying for the church. I mean, any, anything, you know, so besides money, because offering comes in so many different forms. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's essential for, for churches and for all of us to, to be proactive in it. Um, Cause we don't want to end up in, you know, in two months, three months, six months or however long, and then be reactionary where we need grants and those type of things. We've got to think practically now um, right. because oftentimes, you know, in a lot of situations it, uh, you know, congregation members just don't even think about it. You know, there's so many other things going on and, and that is a spiritual thing. You know, I don't want to make light of it, but oftentimes they just don't even think and it, and they were, you know, months, weeks have gone by and they haven't been to church and written the check um, and put it in an offering. So they just don't even think. And so we're proactive to remind our people, Hey, this is a top priority. Um, and remind them of the spiritual significance of it, then um, we can, you know, relieve what aches we may have later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's another lesson for the churches to learn, especially those on the lower end of the spectrum, as my church is, attendance-wise. You know, you guys, your churches are mostly a considerable bit larger than mine. I would be in the smallest um, size population-wise for my church. And that would be the importance of good financial accountability and stewardship on the church's part. You know, we preach about stewardship all the time, and it mm-hmm. always comes down to you giving to the church. But what about the church being a steward of those funds and realizing that, for example, I've been in churches or at my first church had gone 28 years without ever having a budget. I was the one that got them the budget. And I've seen a lot of smaller churches that have have no budget and their policy has been stated to me as if we have money, we spend it. If we don't, we don't. And there's no way a church should function like that. One of the points I always say is that an elder is to be one who leads his household well and wisely so that it shows he can lead the household of God. Well, that tells me that it's the household of God. If your household shouldn't be left without a budget, which I think all of us would agree, then your church should not be led without a budget. And pretending that that is somehow spiritual is ridiculous. It's just presumption. Instead, we are commanded to budget. Our church, we re, we've been reworking our budget the last couple of years, and we've developed a practice of being very honest with our people. If we think there's going to be a shortfall, we tell them ahead of time, we think there's going to be a shortfall, and they've always stepped up to cover it. But another thing that we've done is we've tried to set up contingency funds and savings. How many times in our churches we set aside, okay, my church sets aside, let's say $3,000 for maintenance on the building. Mm -hmm. This year we didn't spend $3,000. Next year it just goes away and it's rebudgeted again. Well, if the money was there all that time, budgeted, set aside, then shouldn't that build up and accrue over time? So we've been trying to do that rather than doing a total zero reset budget um, to pretend nothing happened before, where we're trying to take money that had been set aside before and not taking the lack of it being spent as a boon, but instead take that as being savings for going into the future. And I think that's something we as leaders need to do is to be wise in that regard with our churches. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, I've never been part of a church that didn't have a budget. And so that, you know, that's, that's a hard thing for me to fathom on, on living, you know, week to week that way. I was at, 
Yeah, I can't, I, you know, I know it happens and it's definitely interesting, but you're right. I mean, there has to be some type of stewardship in that, making sure that you're paying attention to what's coming in and what's going out so that you know if you have a shortfall, if you don't have a budget, that's going to be difficult to say, oh yeah, you know, we, we should have been at such and such intake so far. Yeah, I, I think that's that's going to be interesting. Do, do you think, Chris, that at any of our churches... Do you think they're going to get hit so hard economically that they're going to have to shut down for a while? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a hard question. Um, that, that could be the case. Um, I, but I think, I think the greater question is going to be the vitality of the church anyways. Um, you know, if, if they're at a point where this takes them out, then, then I really look at it as a spiritual thing that maybe God was changing the direction of that ministry and that, how you know so anyway so i mean i think honestly if, if we have good leadership and there's fruit already bearing um i don't think we need to worry i think the lord will take care of that i mean i honestly i don't want to over spiritualize it because there's a practicality but we can over spiritualize it because you know the lord is you know obviously christ is the lord of his church and so then obviously if that happens then he's directing you know that's a conversation that probably need to happen anyways that maybe the ministry in that that area needed to change anyways. So, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, closing churches is not fun. It's not a good task. It's not a, no one enjoys that task, but the reality is, is God's just, you know, changing direction in those areas. The ministry may need to look different. It may need to close for a time and then, you know, refresh. So I, I think the reality is if there's health and there's vitality in a church and the Lord's moving, I don't think we need to be worried about that. Right. Um, I think he'll, he'll sustain the church and we, we can just move forward. Um, but that doesn't take away the, the conversation of there may need to be serious cuts. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, we may need to go down to bare bones if for churches that have staff, staff may need to be relieved, you know, I mean, for the time period, you know, where we just, you know, cut back on certain areas that, that could be a reality and let's pray against that. Um, but again, same, same, you know, same thing. The Lord may just be doing something that he's trying to prune some things that we aren't willing to do ourselves. Um, and that, that's a hard thing, you know? Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. Can I jump onto that? Yeah. Uh, I've been doing some speculating on the idea of, okay, what's a post coronavirus world and a post coronavirus church possibly going to look like? Hmm. One of the things I've been seeing, and please don't take me as claiming the mantle of a prophet. I don't want it. Um, but this idea that I've always been sent into churches where everything had fallen apart and I was being sent in to either to try to help the church and turn it around. And you always end up with those issues of, well, this is the way we've always done it and we don't want to change. And we've, we're settled in our ways so much and arguments over music, arguments over carpet. You know, we joke about that, you know, the, the, the church splitting over the color of the carpet and things like that. Yeah. I think one of the positive things I see out of this is we're being forced, especially in my state, where I, we have to shut down. We can't even meet in many other states. Yeah, we're being forced to peel away all the stuff that really has little in the way of foundation in mm. what we do and who we are little of what really should be defining us. And I think we're going to come out of the other side. I'm hopeful and I'm praying the Lord that we come out of the other side with fresh eyes, able to look at everything, hold it up and say, this is useful. We keep it. This is not useful. We just do with it, do away with it. Yeah. This is what he wants us to do. 
we don't hold on to this that he doesn't want us to do anymore. We don't, we not, we stop battling over these silly things that we've been fighting for, for generations. It's good. And we're able to strip away a lot of the dross and a lot of it just gets burned off. Yeah. I mean, we have to, we, we just made the decision to shut down ourselves. <laughs> we have over 300, 133 cases now in Pennsylvania and it's slowly creeping in. They, they shut down all, non-essential businesses and so you know beauty parlors nail salons bars restaurants uh they they shut down the wine and spirits all across the state and you know so we we had to look at that last night and say what's our decision he you know the the recommendation is saying 10 and under and we definitely we want to comply with that we want to follow through with those recommendations we believe in social distancing we understand the reasoning for it we want to walk in faith but we also want to walk in common sense uh and so we we shut down our services and went to online only and you know i agree i think you know there's going to be a lot of stuff that's purged from the church in this time uh one of the things that you know you had said is that it's just going to change our perspective I think a lot of people think very real that, you know, the only thing about church is the building we go on Sunday. But one of the things I'm challenging our church to realize right now, you know, and people are seeing it and responding to it is to be the church where they are and recognize that the church is the body of believers. It's not the building that we are in. And so I'm challenging our church folks, ask your neighbors, do they they need help? Let's compile a list of things that we have that we can give away and then, you know, I'm emailing that out. I'm putting it on Facebook. I was doing a, a Bible study yesterday on Facebook, doing a Facebook Live Bible study. And one of our church members said, I know a neighbor who has two kids who needs dinners. She has lung problems. She can't get out. Boom, right away, our church people were in that Bible study, setting up a meal train and developing it. And I mean, oh my gosh, like that would not have happened on a Sunday morning. You know, in a normal, in a normal view, that's not something that would be going on. But that's the church. And like Eldon had said, uh, you know, we, we need to teach people to tithe their time and talents, not just their treasures. Um, you know, so, so Eldon, what are, what are your thoughts on, on some of these things? Uh, I like what Ken had to say a while back about, you know, the whole budgeting and, you know, planning just reminded me of Joseph, you know, seeing the years of famine, and they took a third, you know, in the good years, they took a third and they put it aside and they were, always, they were ready for, for that hard time. Now, the difference was, is he had a vision. We didn't have a vision of this. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, but if we were, you know, like how we were saying, you know, good stewards, then, you know, I think this is a learning moment for churches across the nation, if not the world, to begin to think that way. Take 20%, 30%, whatever it is and put it aside for a rainy day, you know, yeah. and that, that, that way the, uh, those uh, extra, you know, activities that might not be heart to heart, but things that we need uh, can prolong um, that, that church in, in that particular way, you know. Yeah, and what's funny about that, what you had said about Joseph's vision, our, our head elder was saying the other day, he was like, you know, we have this access in it. And he's like, I, I really feel like God gave us that money during the seven years of plenty. And now during the seven years of famine, we're going to need to use it. And you know, what's funny is like, two days ago, I tested positive for 
What's okay. that? Ah, anyways, that was strange. Um, but you know, he he was saying that that's 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 God's goodness in that process there where we had that available. And what's really funny is two three months ago we started looking at that excess money and said, how can we prioritize spending? And so we developed a list of how we can spend that money and where we could put it. And then last night I told the business board, I said, Hey, well, uh, we know what we're doing with that money. Now forget the, forget this list of things that we just prioritized. Uh, God's made a different priority. So, yeah. Yeah. This, this can also be, you know, I've been in a church where um, it's pretty busy, you know, there's a lot of fun and, and that's great. Uh, but what happens is when everyone is busy, they get burnt out and they can only, you know, do ministry for so long, pretty soon volunteers. I mean, you know, yeah, the, the joy of the Lord is great, but physically and, you know, we're humans, eventually it takes a toll on us, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, and, and acts, it wasn't too much of, uh, you know, a formula for what the church was. They just came together, they fellowship. They broke bread and, you know, they worshiped and they had the apostles teaching and that was pretty much it. And they grew by the thousands. Mm -hmm. And so it might be, a, it might be a lesson, another lesson for us. Cause I've been thinking about all this too, you know, sitting here at home <laughs> <laughs> going, you know, maybe this is a lesson that we probably need to sort of slow down and shift gears and go back to how it was when the church was growing versus, you know, um, and I'm not saying get rid of, you know, your classes and I'm not saying get rid of all these ministries. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, is if we have the, the heart of the church, then those other things would become great mechanisms to both serve the people in the church and reach our communities up to the ends of the earth. But if we don't have the heart of the church, then those things just become a big to-do list and people burn out, you know? Yeah. So I think it's a I think that's a great healthy balance, and maybe in some churches this is maybe a, a another lesson to say go back yeah. to the heart. You know, one thing that I think we can really cap I don't want to say capitalize, but we can really as a church show Christ um, is the fact that there's going to be so many in our society where we've we've lived in America in a very I know there's there's obviously people who don't with some of our poor in our communities, et cetera. But, you know, we've really lived in a sheltered mindset, you know, um, where this is what the rest of the world is. Um, and not just even just a virus, but something is, you know, as deadly as the Ebola or malnutrition or whatever um, and hunger. And they, they deal with it on a day on them and their families, et cetera. You know, I mean, many of you know, uh, you know, with like Burkina, where they don't name the children West Africa until they're five years old because they don't want to create that emotional attachment, et cetera. And, and I think our, our society is starting to experience that in a little, little bit, in a light, you know, the, the fear of uncertainty that we are, you know, we are mortals. <laughs> we, yeah. we, we can die. And, and so as a church, we can offer something that we don't live in fear. Um, and so the church can really show Christ in this, that we know where our eternity is set. If we were to die, it's gain, right? Um, it's to be with Christ. And so, so we can really show that to the world that in a, in a, in a world of, I know it's, 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 um, it's a very basic under, theological understanding, but we can show Christ that we're, you know, we don't live in, um, that we, we have hope 
And that really can be something that church can really shine through this, that people can look at us like why, you know, when we're doing these things and reaching out, why, you know, when the rest of the world is hoarding toilet paper and, and you know, um, hand sanitizer and cleaning wipes, you know, that we want to be smart and we want to be wise, but we can show that we don't live in fear, that this is just something God is doing and, you know, our eternity is in his hands. And so I think that's something that we need to remind our people that, um, to not show that fear and anxiousness. There's going to be a lot, I think, in our culture, um, hypochondria is a real thing, and there's going to be a lot of people that are really anxious, um, and we yeah. need to be there to offer hope. Yeah, we uh, we did an online Facebook Live Bible study uh, last night, or yesterday. What's up, Mike? What's up? We did a, a Bible study online yesterday, and, and one of our church members was like, hey, I just need prayer for anxiety. So we stopped in the middle of the Bible study online, and prayed for and you know she she received that and was really uh grateful for that because you're right chris i mean like it's this affects so many different things and you know that brings that that brings me to another question is how can we train our people teach our people like eldon was saying to be the church you know to be the hands and feet of jesus because this 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 is definitely changing our view of some things it's changing the way that i think we will eventually do church like ken said i think it's going to affect more than just the right now um you know so what what can we do how can we talk to our people about you know doing that being the church in, in a different way you put out a tough one there <laughs> one of the one of the things i'm stressing with my people is the fact that and i've always been a stre- uh, strong about stressing this is that church is not what we do on sunday morning church is who we are and when we leave on Sunday afternoon, the church has left the building. The building, yeah. the church is not standing here. The church is gone. And wherever we're at, that's holy ground. Where our feet are standing is holy ground. But that also means teaching our people to minister in their homes and their neighborhoods and things like that. One of the things I'm going to do as part of our services that we're going to put online is we're going to include communion. When it's time to have communion, we'll have communion here. Me and the elders will take it together. Um, and then encourage them at their own homes to have the cup and the bread and partake of it there, showing them that I don't have to be there to have ministry happen. I don't have to be there for communion to occur. That's one of the things I've always been trying to get churches to understand is that you don't have to have, you know, the Holy Joe there for communion. You can you can have ministry and service and all of that without any vocational ministers. We're all called right. to be ministers. Right. So, yeah. I mean, one of the, back. one of the things I'm trying to think to do uh, is get our people to gather together in their homes, mm-hmm. you know, and say, you know, kind of like what Eldon was saying, be the church again that gathers together. I know we have to stay within that group of 10 or, or below, but I'm really going to push the idea of being the church, doing uh, some house churches in that way. And we're going to do our Maundy Thursday service the same way that we would, but we're going to do it online. We're going to do it live. And I'm going to say, hey, here's the atmosphere to create. Turn off the lights, make it low, dim. If you have candles, put candles on. Uh, you know, seriously, I want to make it feel, uh, you know, have a nice ambiance and I want them to follow through with that. And they do it at home. And then we're definitely going to do like a foot washing thing on Maundy Thursday. So we're reinventing how we do it, but it's even more in, to me, that's more intimate. That's more powerful than it would be in our big sanctuary. You know, I mean, there's, there's, I think there's goods and bads to it. Yeah. Mike, 
Can you, can you, I can't hear you, Mike. Sorry, I was talking to my secretary, so that's why I put you on mute. Oh, not a problem. Not a problem. I thought I was, I thought I was, you were talking nope, to nope, us. No, no, I was talking to her. Sorry. So, yeah. Uh, so I guess the question uh, to, to look at then is, is what new things, like Ken was saying, what new things are we doing um, to, to be creative? Okay. You want me to start? Yeah, go ahead, man. One of the things I've done is I, I'm, I've, I've already been streaming my sermons for a while. Well, we record them and we upload them to YouTube and then we put a link on our Facebook page and stuff like that for people. But we're going to do even more of that. The problem we have is we don't have any musical performers. We have no musicians, so we've been using canned music, but I can't get license really to put that over the internet. Yeah. So I'm working on ways to do that. I found one source that might be, um, I might be able to use MIDI files created by this one source that will just play the music kind of like a piano and then we'll use hymnals. Yeah. Kind of going old, old school. I've got, my wife has been wishing we'd go back to hymnals for a long time. And <laughs> I really don't care too much for them, though I love some of the old songs. I'm planning on taking a bunch of our um, hymnals around and delivering to delivering them to our people that don't have them at home um, because I've seen the value of using that. I use a hymnal in my own worship time and sing as well. So take it out to them and then I would put in the, then I would put in the, uh, um, the video, this hymn in your, in the Alliance hymnal, they, they can turn to it, have the audio and then me singing in my froggy voice, which is not very good for singing, but I'll do my best. <laughs> And if it's not Johnny Cash, I can't really sing along to it. But, ah, I gotcha. But uh, I'll do my best and then have a sermon. And I'm thinking of different ways of doing it. I may actually include a segment of reminding them of offering as part of our act of worship, and which we usually do anyways, and we do scripture readings and stuff like that. So I'm planning on putting all that into a video that would, that would start immediately at our normal 10 o'clock service time. So at 10 o'clock, it's service time. They can turn on the computer, turn onto our page, and it'll be right there. And all they have to do is follow along. So that's awesome. To start with. We, we thought about, you know, we do a lot of contemporary music. We thought about sending, you know, sending an email with the PDF files or the documents of, of the lyrics. And we were talking about it last night with my worship pastor, and he was like, well, it's going to be weird for some of those folks who aren't really techie. They're going to have to have like two different windows open. They're going to have to look on this one for the lyrics and they have to look on this one for the singing. You know, he was like, maybe we just choose well-known stuff, uh, you know, and, and when we do our hymnal, maybe we do deliver. I mean, that's, that's a thought that I haven't even thought of delivering those hymnals. We talked about mailing the, uh, you know, the lyrics to people. But <laughs> when you do that too, you're spending money with postage and printing. And so we're trying to figure out how, how to be creative in those different efforts. But I, I think you got that right on. I mean, delivering hymnals and, and doing uh, that, that to me is a streamlined way of doing it that, uh, that would be helpful. Although the majority of our people are not fans of, of hymns either. Um, <laughs> we can have Mike's hymns. Uh, yeah, we have plenty of our own hymnals. <laughs> I actually had to throw some out, got in trouble, went dumpster diving with my uh, my worship pastor to get some of those back. Uh, that's that was a young pastor mistake, I think. But 
Anyways, uh, we've yeah. all we've all made that young. <laughs> Throwing hymnals in the dumpster. Throwing uh, something away that somebody <laughs> still wanted. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, uh, uh, to to add to that, all all that is good. And uh, another another aspect to this was the children and the youth. Yeah. Which somebody, which somebody else actually pointed out to to me and and the rest, and they um. And that's a great, great thing, you know, to begin to maybe encourage the, you know, the parents at the house or the legal guardians at the house to sort of maybe step into their role as the priest and king and prophet of the home and begin to minister to each other uh, in the home also. Um, And also, you know, for the church to perhaps provide some content you know, maybe lesson plans or videos or songs or, you know, whatever it is, or even the how-tos, you know, how can you sit down as a family, you know, maybe the adults can drink coffee, you could make uh, the kids, you know, princess Kool-Aid and prince, you know, a punch yeah. or something like that, something fun. And you guys, you know, can just uh, basically chill at the house and sort of get to know each other a little bit because again, our lives are so busy family time is attacked and that family time is so important, you know, and yeah. so you know, this might be a time to encourage families to sort of step into that kingly priestly prophet role and to begin to sort of sit down with each other, get to know each other for who they are, open up their hearts, you know, cause communicate, you know, get that communication back to begin to heal mend, and grow families in different circumstances. And also, uh, provide that godly discussion, um, you know, from the parents and even uh, from the children to the parents, you know, just like my kids, I learn from them almost every day, something about God. So, um, you know, just sort of, uh, you know, encourage that communication, that family time and integrate God, not just a, a, a piece of our life, which is just on Sunday or, uh, you know, on Bible study time, but have him in our life in every aspect of our life. Um, and so, you know, that, that might be a great, this might be a great time to begin to encourage that as well. You know? Yeah. yeah. Mike, as a, as a youth pastor, you know, what, what creative things are you doing to engage your kids? Yeah. Well, tonight we're having, um, we're going to have a zoom with all of our youth group kids. Um, I did pay for the full version. So for at least the month, so that way we can break into small groups with our youth um, and our leaders can just have a time to just connect with their girls or their guys. Um, for a while now, I'm actually having some of my teachers record them teaching the lesson in the verse. And we're going to post that just to encourage, Hey, even though we're not meeting, you know, we're still going to go forward like and, and encourage them. Hey, if you, take a video of you memorizing this verse and post it. We'll bless you. We'll bring a prize or do something once we're back in session. Um, and, and just an opportunity for our kids to kind of see our teachers saying, Oh, look, there's Miss Michelle. Hey, look, there's Miss Katie. Like mm-hmm. I'm just trying to keep it as normal as possible in a world that's ever changing. Yeah. Chris, have you heard of anything that your churches in your district are doing that is kind of creative that, might be out of the box even from some of the stuff we've been talking about no mostly just along the lines of what's been said um already using zoom etc so yeah i mean nothing nothing yet i mean there have been a lot of pastors that um have done um 
like daily Bible studies, you know, via Facebook live, um, that I, I really liked, um, that hopefully will continue on, um, mm-hmm. just a daily, here's what, you know, the Lord's been showing me my devotional. Um, that's just a really cool, simple thing that, that would be kind of cool if it continued on when this is all passed, you know? Yeah. Hey, yeah. we could be like Ken Kastner and read our own devotional to everyone. that's true that's true yeah i mean it it's definitely a a different a different world and the cool thing about this is that it is not forever i mean there will be a time where it's going to run its course and our our health system will be able to control and and take care of the cases that show up but uh, you know it's really showing priorities and showing how you know, what, what are the things that we as churches were putting our money towards that, that now we're able to freeze. We're still able to do church without putting our money towards those things. How's that going to change? Uh, you know, what we do, <clears throat> one of our business board folks last night was, they're, they're a little bit cynical and she had said, well, they're going to see that we're spending freeze on all these things. When we get back, they're going to say, well, you did it without it. Now uh, let's change our budget. <laughs> <laughs> or keep it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For we the just in case. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, I I saw we did the uh, the Facebook live yesterday. It's the only one that I've done. I think I might do one on Friday. But there was a lot of good interaction. I mean, I had twenty five people that were on that the whole time that interacted and were and were commenting. Mike uh, at his church, my brother is the pastor there and he was, he's doing these five minutes every morning kind of thing, which is pretty cool. I, you know, I, I was on there listening to what he did and there's just so much content that is being produced that I I think it's, it's a good opportunity to continue to stay connected. But, you know, I really feel like I know some of my church folks disagree with me on this, but I really feel like we need to get back to the in the, the home type churches where it's not just our family. You know, Eldon, I agree. I think parents need to be ministering to their families and really growing them. But I think we also need to see, okay, can we bring some other families in here and do a little bit more of that community growth? I mean, you know, we, we look at the, the community-based uh, cultures where, you know, everyone's raising the kids and things. And in America, we've gotten away from that. We've gotten away from communal living. My hope is that this will develop a deeper, intimate communal living where we do, we're not afraid to go into each other's homes. And, you know, it's still social distancing when we do 10 or less or whatever it is. But I, I don't know. I don't see that happening a lot yet, but I'm trying to encourage our people to do that. Uh, what do, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, that's sort of like small groups, you know, uh, you know, having the church sort of be the church, right? So everybody is in a, in a small group and they meet. And now what we're doing in our small group is because we can't meet in each other's homes, we're going to use zoom and, you know, we're going to have that still that meeting there, you know, across families, but we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it through zoom. And, yeah. and so, yeah, I, I think it's a great both and, you know, you need, you need that Sunday togetherness. You need that, you know, village kind of, you know, uh, support. And yeah. then you also need the family and then you also need individual time too. So, you know, I think you, you, you need it all. It's all good in its own way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
You know, I've, I've seen in various settings, um, small groups work well and work poorly. My, uh, my wife is Korean. We spend a lot of time in Korea where, uh, as you know, um, Yonggi Cho, Dr. Yong, uh, Dr. Yonggi Cho, um, has the uh, Yoido Church. Um, I forget which English name he's using now, but his Korean name is uh, Cho Yonggi. Anyways, he started the, uh, really did a lot of the small church, small group stuff. And I've also been with house churches for a time. I've found that it works nice in a church if the small church, small group is a major part of the church. If it's just an add-on thing, it tends to die on the vine. Mm. But if the major part of the church and it's seen as an important ministry, not just something we do between Sundays, but as an essential way that we minister to each other, then it tends to work better. I think this is going to give us a chance for getting our people to, to see this better. I've tried since I've been here off and on to get people interested in small group. And it's been kind of like, yeah, that's a great thing to do. We'll do it someday. And, and, and now it's funny because, okay, well, we're not going to be able to have church. I'm calling, talking to my people. Hey, maybe I can meet together with so-and-so and we can have fellowship. And, and so it's starting to happen a little organically. Yeah. And so it might be that it actually helps to produce some small group fellowship in the churches organically without the leadership from above saying, okay, you go over to this house and you go over to that house, but people just drawing towards each other to, to maintain that fellowship. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I it has become in the church growth movement just an add-on, right? I mean, there's right. that sense of, oh, well, we're a big church now, so we need to break off into small small groups. I I don't know. I how how do you think, Chris and Eldon and and Mike and Ken? How do you think in the long run, the this whole thing is going to affect? Let's just say Alliance churches. It, it, it'll probably be broad spread throughout, but how do you feel like this is going to change Alliance churches and the way, I don't know, the way we do church or will it? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to tell, you know, because uh, I don't, we can't see in the future really. And um, if, if things do change, then I guess we would have to, you know, sort of, Hey God, you know, what are you trying to do? And what's our part and sort of begin to think outside the box, you know, and sort of become flexible to that time, you know, and, and to what is being introduced to us. So I don't know if, if things will, will uh, change and how much I, I do know not to go theological on you, but God created, you know, humans to have physical relation with each other, you know, to be present with each other. He created the church, he bought the church. And so what I'm, what I'm getting at is, is if things do change, it will not change outside of his creative or redemptive order. Yeah. You, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So, but within that boundary, it could probably mold and look a little differently than maybe none of us can actually imagine right now. I, I have no clue right now, you know? I, I can see a few possible outcomes, and I think it's going to depend on the church. It's also it's going to depend on the people in the church, the community, and the reaction of the leaders. There are going to be some churches that their community is going to possibly see that, as far as they're concerned, the church has nothing to offer. They had this big emergency, this big thing happened, and the church really had nothing to offer. 
um, for the community because the church didn't rise to it. Yeah. Um, another possibility I see within the church itself is the fact that some churches are going to go through this period. Let's say it lasts for weeks. Let's say it lasts, as the president is saying now, that it may last through July and August. Yeah. Um, let's say it lasts that long. And the churches do this. They get creative. They, re they, they do what they can and minister to each other, learning how to think outside the box. But then when they come back together at the end of it, phew, that's over. Let's go back inside the box. Um, let's, uh, let's go back to what we were before because it was so much more comfortable and we did it for so long. And then the, the, the I think the minority is going to be churches that are going to say, look, we've learned from this. We're now transformed by this. We've become something new. We've worked, we've managed to find ways to, to minister to our community and with uh, such limited resources. And we will, um, continue on. Now that we can meet together, we're going to continue thinking outside the box and bringing new things in. So, yeah, yeah. Can, I, one of the things I've been praying about, and and you know, this this has been heavy on my heart, and I talked about it on Sunday uh, during the service. One of my prayers is, you know, you see these types of national disasters, and people run to the church in the midst of it. Uh, 9-11 happened, the, you know, weeks following that. Churches were never busier than they were in the weeks following that. And, you know, I, I think that people are going to be hungry for community once this lifts. They're going to want to gather together. They're going to want to be with one another. They're going to want to look to God and say, okay, thank you. We, we need God in our lives. And so I can see it being, you know, if the church was, was not there, if the church was not helpful, I, I agree with you, Ken. I think some people are going to look and say, uh, why even bother? This is meaningless. But I think, you know, especially in Bible, especially in Bible Belt areas like where I'm at, I see, I see our churches being more full after this than before. But the question that we have to ask is how are we going to leverage that for the gospel? Because too often, you know, when those things happen, there's this nice, happy, clappy, God's going to be with us kind of thing. Or how are we going to leverage that? My personal belief, I was telling my wife this, and, and I could be wrong. I'm not an end times theorist. I, I'm not about that whole thing. Because I think Jesus is very clear. No one's going to know the time or the hour, but be ready. It can happen anytime. You know, my thinking is this might be the, gra the last great church boom before the end. And are we, are we actually going to take advantage of it? Are we really going to learn from this moment? Because on a global scale, nothing like this has happened before when the end times do come, this is kind of like a precursor of what it might look like, but for the rest of the world <laughs> forever. Um, you know, so I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think about that? I, Cause I really do believe, especially in areas like where I'm at, we're going to see people flood the churches at least for the first couple of weeks after this thing. Um, how, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? I could be wrong and that's totally fine. I'm, I'm glad being wrong. Well, I think, I think you're right. I think we need to pray that way. Um, I think we need to, we may be wrong or in God may be doing something completely different that we didn't even consider, but we definitely need to be praying for, as we should have been before praying for revival, you know, praying that God, God will be doing this, um, that, and, our, and that our churches, and I think Alliance people, you know, tend to respond that way, um, and tend to view it that way that let's see this as, um, as a revival point, you know, point in our history. Yeah, I agree. I fully agree with that. What are your thoughts, Eldon? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that this is a great opportunity to do that. And uh, on the flip side, it's also, you know, to grow the Terry's too. 
you know, the, the wheat and the terries both grow basically together. So this is a great boom. This could be a great boom for the church, and it also could be a great boom for the world. So yeah. we could get to the end a lot sooner than later. Again, not being prophetic or anything like that, because we, we just don't know. But, you know, as days progress, you know, any, any opportunity will just only lead us there. We just don't know when it is, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah but for our sake, for the church's sake, um, yeah, how do we, how do we, you know, we got to actually have those conversations with our uh, people, with the elders, with each other, with our families. How do we utilize this according to God's call on our life, you know? Mm -hmm maybe according to our uh, skills or gifts or whatever, even our comfort or even discomfort, you know, how do we, how do we begin to use this for the advantage of God's kingdom so that we can actually reach the wheat yeah. and let them, let them grow that much faster? You know, yeah. I think this is a great time, you know? I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I'm just about out of time. I don't know where you guys are at with your time frame. I'm about the same. Yeah. I mean, we can continue these conversations. The, uh, the, for whatever garage, for whatever reason, GarageBand didn't record, uh, the, the zoom line. I'm not sure why I tested it before and it was working, but I was able to record these. So I might be able to compile them together into a podcast. Uh, we, we shall see. So hopefully we'll be able to put that up. I think other people had some good, good insight as well. Hopefully people can learn from what we're talking about and, and things like that. But you know, guys, I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks yeah. for doing this. Conversations are always useful. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a lot better than typing out everything on the Facebook page. <laughs> you are wrong. You are wrong. <laughs> women, 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 women. Uh, 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 what about the women? Let us know where we can get the podcast info. All yeah. right, I will do. I'll post it up on the uh, on the uh, the CMA Facebook. Chris, thanks for your time too. Yeah, thank you all. This is good. Thanks, guys. Nice, nice talking to you all and meeting you too. For yep. Sure. All right, guys. God bless you guys. Right. See ya. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to the Alethea Collective. As you could see, it was a little bit spotty on some of the spots just because of the uh, technology and the speed with which I wanted to put this out. So uh, if you're interested in hearing more, we're going to be posting up some more podcasts here shortly. But if you'd be interested to talk about where your church is at with the coronavirus, and we can schedule another uh, coronavirus conversation of the church and church people, you could email me at PSTRMARV at iCloud.com. Well, thanks again. That is the wrap for this episode of the Aletheia Collective. <laughs>